one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed, and I'm Ken Napsack for another edition of Force Center, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, and I am here today with Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm happy to be on the bridge of the Star Destroyer, maybe down in the bowels. 
I don't know where we record on the Star Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, it's never been determined. We assume maybe because of our own egos that we're on the, the uh, control deck there. We're on uh, maybe by the data pits, but I don't know. We could be in the hangar bay. Yeah, we might be safer down there. Could be at a bar getting uh, some jet juice. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But we're here discussing Star Wars with each other and with you out there in our listening audience. We're always so happy to have you join us for this little Star Wars adventure through uh, so much of a wonderful guy to mine and break down and analyze and, and just love. And this week we're going to, uh, in honor of Star Trek Beyond that is in uh, theaters and, and we respect our Star Trek brethren. <laughs> That's right. So we're going to talk Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. So I, it has, it's fascinating to me that when I was a youth, Star Wars and Star youth? Trek were kind of on the same level of like, if you mm-hmm. like that geek crap, <laughs> you probably like Star Wars, you, or maybe you like Star Trek, or if you're super weird like I was, mm-hmm. you like Doctor Who on PBS. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but Star Wars and Star Trek were the, like, the two pillars of the geek community uh, for media. Yeah. And then as you know, time has gone on, they've gone up and down in their different scales, and now we're in this really interesting place where Star Wars has come back as this huge resurgence. Giant. A uh, giant. Like, the prequels, whether you liked them or not, gave Star Wars a lot of juice when Star Trek was right when Star Trek was running out of juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we're back in this place where Star Wars is incredibly powerful, and Star Trek is right on the precipice. Mm-hmm. The Abrams, the new, the Calvin timeline, yeah. it's called in the movies. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh has its detractors and its fans, mm-hmm. uh, but now we're on the precipice of getting this new TV show right. that people are incredibly excited about. So I think there's this like great hope, almost in the same way as before Force Awakens came out, of like, it's going to be back. It's going Proper, to be back. the right way, real yeah. Star Trek is going to be back. And it always seems to be, they, they leapfrog each other at times, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like Star Trek, obviously, first, and then uh, Star Trek was not a direct influence on Star Wars, per se, I don't think. No. Uh, it, it does, you know, everything you read about Lucas is more about Flash Gordon and other things, but you can't, uh, whether it's just because the word star is in the title, they're forever connected. Um, I often don't call Star Wars sci-fi, but Star Trek definitely is, but Star Wars definitely has some of the elements. Um, but then the movie, Star Wars comes out, and then Star Trek's like, we need a movie. Yeah. Um, so. So it's, it's always been this weird leapfrogging. In, yeah. in the 90s, I had a good friend of mine, Steve Morrissey, in a Royal Grande High School class in 94. He was a Star Trek guy. I was a Star Wars guy. And the battle lines were always drawn. <laughs> Friendly, kind of. Um, but we always... And his, his main argument, and he very intelligent Star Trek fan, as most Star Trek fans are, uh, he was like, look, we, just, we have a TV show, two TV shows now. Gen- Next Generation was still going at the time. And um, he's like, we got more movies. You guys only have three, and that's all you'll ever have. Now you have weird books, and that's Yes. You're clinging to weird books. You're learning basic facts about your characters from role-playing game manuals. (laughs) We know everything about Andorians, and you guys just learned that Greedo is a Rodian. Catch up. Catch up. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely weird that that uh, schism has always been there. I remember, for me, Star Trek being, being the first thing that started to break into being normal. Yes. Like, Star Wars was popular when I was a kid and that, but uh, I remember when I was in college, there people would just watch The Next Generation like it was another thing that was on TV instead of this very, very yeah. special geek time thing. Right. Uh, I even wrote a sketch many, many years ago about a geek who was really upset that a just random normal frat guy from college bought a Star Trek action figure that he wanted and gave it to his girlfriend. <laughs> 
and in the sketch, the uh, the geek gets really, really mad of like, you're you're trying to take my stuff. That's my stuff. That's my Mine. identity. And yeah. you just bought it for your girlfriend because you just watch it on Sundays or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Go play some football. And yeah. the the, uh, the geek character went back in time to try to get the action figure, <laughs> screwed up the timeline, and created Battlestar Galactica, the next generation, <laughs> which amuses me that now that has come and passed. Come and passed. It's, it happened. Wow. Prophetic. Yeah. Prophetic yeah. sketch writing, Prophetic my friend. sketch writing. Uh, but yeah. So what do you feel like? Well, you're you're a, a fan of Star Trek, but not a huge fan. Like you know, kind of the basics. You spent right. some time with it, like any good nerd. But yeah, yeah. My father was a fan of it, and okay. so the the old show would occasionally be on in rerun form. Definitely aware of it, just pop pop, pop culture as it was. Um, and then I always saw the movie. So so I'm trying to think. I think I saw Wrath of Khan in the theater. Barely. What that be? Eighty two. Yep. So I have memories of seeing it early on before yeah. I really knew what was going on. Uh, there was a point in my young life that I thought the uh, 70s version of Battlestar Galactica was an extension of Star Wars. I thought it was like <laughs> the Star Wars TV show. It was Couldn't trying. Understand. It had spaceships and lasers. Yep. Um, and Han's pants, basically. And Han's pants, essentially. Starbuck, the original Starbuck. Um, so I grew up with it as very aware of it. I just yeah. always gravitated to Star Wars. And I, again, I say I'm not a sci-fi guy, per se. So I don't read a lot of sci-fi novels and and, and I, I find it weird when people assume that I do because I like Star Wars. I just yeah. don't consider Star Wars sci-fi. I don't know if I'm off base. No, on that. I don't think so. I think yeah. uh, I think our friend Chris Taylor lays it out really, really well in mm-hmm. how Star Wars conquered the universe mm-hmm. about its origins being in Buck Rogers and it being space fantasy or space opera, right. And not being science fiction. And that the thing that you just said really, I think, keyed off to me my relationship with Star mm-hmm. Trek. I always loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it religiously. I think I only started to peter out uh, later seasons of Voyager and Enterprise were not for me. Uh, mm, yeah. But I was a diehard fan, watched it religiously, had role-playing games, had action figures, did right. everything that I did with Star Wars. But I think because it's science fiction, because it's the characters are so intelligent, I always felt like I could be Luke Skywalker. Mm. I could be a whiny, scrawny guy who had secret power and power that came out of emotion or destiny. Right. And people on Star Trek, it comes out of their intelligence and their willpower, or Mm -hmm. with the example of Captain Kirk, just Mm -hmm. being a great manly man. Manly man. So as much as I enjoyed it, I never really saw myself in it the same way I saw myself in Star Wars. I think that's it. I think I think to me cuts the core Star Wars being a modern myth and an epic and a fantasy that we yeah. all need those stories. And so it is radically different to me just because there's stars in the title and space. Yeah, it's it should be considered radically different, but again, forever connected because of the geek community and I do, I loved the movie Star Trek Four. What kid in the eighties didn't yeah. love Star Trek Four? So hilarious. Whales. There's whales. Um <laughs> Five con- damn on you. Yeah. yeah, five confused me, and I was I, Star Trek Six. I was very excited to see. Yeah, I saw it early opening weekend with my friends, and and I tried to play along with them in the sense of I, I did do some Star Trek role playing games, and and I, I didn't want to fight over it, you know. But at the end of the day, I was like always oh, like eh, Star Trek's just a little a little more boring to me, <laughs> a little more textbook. I think that is part of its charm is that it is rational. It's a rational yeah. universe, and when nerds of both. Fans of both Star Wars and Star Trek will get really anal retentive about, well, here's a cross-section of Millennium Falcon, here's a cross-section of the Enterprise. But the cross-section kind of logic makes more sense to me in Star Trek because it's a very rational universe. 
Whereas Star Wars is like, well, if it doesn't quite make sense, it's a little bit more of a hand wavy mm. galaxy. It's more of a yeah. hand wavy fantasy story. Where Star Wars or Star Trek, yeah. like, yeah, you can kind of be responsible for every bolt of the Enterprise. Yeah, because that's that's the story inside the story. You is need that to. They know everything. You need to know it too. Yeah, um, yeah. So for me, like, and and like, I, I. Uh, I hate that uh, it comes to the point sometimes you have to choose. Uh, I, and there was, I, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to flash back now on air live as a record to the moment where I, I drew a line in the sand. And it, I guess it's just as you get older and you hit high school and, and, and fandom start to become a thing versus yeah. just something you enjoy alone at home as a kid in elementary school. So did there definitely seemed to be a time in the early 90s where it was like, no, I had to choose. I had to choose. <laughs> I, I, it was life destiny choice. Yeah. I never you know? felt that I had to choose. I only feel more now that I have to choose. And I think mm. I made the choice just out of, well, clearly my connection mm. to Star Wars is much deeper because I gravitate towards yeah. still buying those figures as an adult and having 800 podcasts about Star Wars and talking about it constantly. I love Star Trek. But in this weird media world that you and I live in now, yeah. you kind of have to invest some of your time and prove to the world that yeah. it's part of your identity. <laughs> that it's like, who you are. Yeah, I, I, and it's weird for me to be stressed out about, yeah. like, I really like Star Trek, and I, I, I have high hopes for this new show. But then I was kind of stressed, like, how many podcasts am I going to have to do to prove to people <laughs> that I like Star Trek, too? Yeah, I don't know. And I find more, it just, there's still a dividing line. I know, you know, my friend Scott Mance, you know Scott Mance, Jason yeah. Inman. Those, those are people that love Star Trek first. And even though they say, and Scott loves Star Wars, he does. And I, I believe Jason does too. Um, but it is like, it, they're still even now. Yeah. It's like, do we, do we have to choose? And, and then, uh, and uh, the question of can can you get along as fans? Of course, it's ridiculous. It's again, we're not talking about serious things here, but uh, um I, I, I'm still going back and wondering what would have made me go to Star Trek. Yeah, what would have turned you? Because in, in, is in it the, the 90s, toys? Yeah, maybe. Certainly, the toys were always might have been the toys more powerful because they're Star Star Trek toys. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, they did they they came out way back for the motion picture, and they oh, were floating around at yeah. the same time as early New Hope figures. Right. Uh, and they lingered on the shelves for a while, but to my recollection, there wasn't the like normal action figure line for like Wrath of Khan. Mm. I think if there had been like the three and three quarters like Star Wars for Wrath of Khan, that yeah. might have been a turning point for people our age because Wrath of Khan is an amazing movie. It's yeah. a powerful movie. It's easy to get into, but I don't think you could you can you couldn't disappear take it, into it as much. You couldn't take it home with you. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't take, take home. Khan home with you. Can't take <laughs> Khan home with you. And, and I think. Um, yeah, that's like, um, that's some of it. Like, uh, yeah, I guess maybe that, that would have been, that's the genius of, of Kenner signing on at the last yeah. minute and, and the, the marketing, uh, of Star Wars, it really, really just put it out there where maybe Star Trek kind of re- rested on his own laurels of, you were a fan of it, right? Yeah. You know, you grew up with Spock well, and Kirk, well, here we got the movies. Yeah. You know, maybe it is the, almost the Kirk Spock mm. line, because mm-hmm. I think if you are a person who is more analytical and if your connection to liking genre stuff is oh, i like science in real life and yeah. i actually understand how how we as real humans got to the moon yeah you're going to gravitate toward star trek right if you're a very romantic artsy person who mm-hmm. doesn't understand basic math 
Me? You're going to be like, yep, yep. I like that Star Wars where yep. the ships make noises in space because they do. <laughs> they do. Because they do. <laughs> if you don't like it. Neil deGrasse Tyson, they do. <laughs> all right. Uh, in my head, they do for all eternity. Yeah, it, it, it could be that. I, I, it, it's always um, finding the ones who really love it both conf- still confuses me, which I don't know if that's fair. Um, I'm still like, but how? <laughs> well, I wonder if there is an actual like just time investment at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you make room in your head to memorize all of the facts about both? Because they're both ramping up with the number of facts right. that you can cram into your brain. And Star Trek always had the book side. Book side was always bigger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I and read I, some of those books. And real crapshoot, just like Star okay. Wars. Just like Star Wars? Okay. Yeah. Like, it's a, that's a real tough, that's a, that's a daunting task, too, because it seemed like to be part of it. My my friends read all those books back in the nineties. You know, it was yeah. part of it too. So that was not. I'd rather just have an action figure and read Timothy Zahn's book. <laughs> and you guys want to read book twenty in the series about Riker's revenge or something? I yeah. don't know. I don't know. So yeah, in the nineties, when you you were feeling from maybe friends or from mm-hmm. society that you were being forced to choose. Yeah, there Star Trek was everywhere. The, the action figure line for Next Generation yep. was huge. It was everywhere, easy to find, obscure characters, definitely. So you could have invested. But you were clinging to a few Timothy Zahn novels in the beginnings of Dark Horse Comics, Star Wars. Which I didn't even read back then. So yeah. it was just Zahn novels and what I had in my own head. Um, <laughs> so are you asking, like, was there a point where yeah, I could have... Like, yes, there yeah, was. Like, what were you clinging to? What, what did Star Wars have to offer you? Uh, it was it could have been even then nostalgia, but also, again, just going with your gut instincts of what you're attracted to. I second third season of next generation started to uh watch it regularly because okay. my friends were doing it and we would fight but i was like ah you know i like something i liked picard i liked Riker. uh who didn't like counselor troy um uh and then uh, q was a yeah. very interesting and intriguing adversary to me yeah i always said if you made a movie about q and, and next generation I, i'd be there I, i'd always be there um I enjoy, um, it came a little later, but First Contact's a great movie. To I like First I Contact. I really like First Contact. Controversial. Yeah. Because some people hate it, but I like it. I liked it a lot, and maybe because I didn't know to not. Um, <laughs> I liked Six a lot, too. Um, so there was a moment, moment where I was trying, I was trying, and trying, but at the end of the day, I, I, I you just said, I don't gravitate, I, I, I went all the way to trigonometry in high school, but I don't retain any of that <laughs> okay. mathematic knowledge. So I don't have that brain. And I definitely, I react to, you know, if, if Kirk had a laser sword and went off on adventure, maybe it'd be, you know, call that call to action might've appealed to me more than we're doing a five year science mission. Yeah. You know, so I, there was a moment I tried, I tried, I tried, I really did try. And I just, it's a gut, gut instinct thing. Right. It just didn't speak to you didn't as stick. much. You like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I I like Star Trek. It speak I, Star Trek almost speaks to what I would like to be. Sure, and maybe that's part of it. If like uh, Star Trek in its most pure form, which I feel like they're trying to get back to, literally with the title Star Trek Beyond, right, is about exploration. It's about uh, finding the completely new thing that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Where Star Wars is almost always kind of about coming home, about yes. finding the truth of the previous generation, about finding the truth of the past to inform the present and the future. Excellent, excellent choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Star Trek. I'm always yeah. You're lost in space to me. <laughs> yes, you kind of know true. where you're going. Kind of know. You yeah. kind of hope you know where you're going. But those are always the boldest, most exciting moments of Star yeah. Trek when it is just totally about. I have no idea what's going on. 
Right. I'm going to do the best when I get there, but it's about the unknown. It's about just go warp nine or as many warps as the ship can take towards over there, and we'll find out what's there, and we'll try not to make a mess of it. Yeah. And Star Wars is about, like, uh, let's find this busted-down old relic, and that will move <laughs> us forward in some way. It's really interesting to me. Quite literally. So I think the Star Wars-Star Trek argument heated mm. up back in it 2009. Was it? Yes. What were you going to well, say? Well, I was going to say, it, it was heating up again about my friend Stephen and I would, would, would fight. It would heat up there, but then the, the prequels came out, and it was okay. like Star Trek fans, to me, kind of felt like they won. <laughs> oh, just based on but it was like, the perceived quality. Yeah, but it was like, yeah, I don't know. Did you see 5 and 7? Yeah, did, did you, you see, see 9 and 10? Fox Brain? <laughs> did you see the opening credits to Enterprise? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Look, we've all made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. We all have things to be ashamed of <laughs> as fans of Star Wars and Star Trek. But did you have friends literally gloat, like, when the prequels came out, and we were all wearing our makeup, waving our lightsabers, and many A people bit. were upset? I, is, it was like they were nervous that we had we were coming back. Right. But then it came out, and it was like, uh, well, not so much. Good luck, kid. Better luck next time. Um, I think now I don't, I don't have uh, as much contact with those folks. Um, I'd be curious to see what they think about this giant explosion. Yeah. And the Matrix messed everything up in 1999, early 2000s. The Matrix did, 2000s. too, because we all thought we lost. Yeah, we all thought, like, this is the most amazing thing ever. And yeah. the uh, sequels were dubious at best. At best. And it's simply not spoken of. Yeah, it's simply not. I which, love that. Uh, which is interesting. Side note to pop culture history there. Yeah, no, there was a point where it was like, oh, God, Matrix, they did it right. Yeah, it's everything. It's what Star Wars and Star Trek should have been, that injection of new ideas and excitement. Yeah. And nope. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, and I always respected the legacy of Star Trek, too. So those times, um, I you kind of have to bow down to that uh, as a Star Wars fan that it's gone on now in its 50th year. And time will get Star Wars there as well. It's definitely not stopping. But at the time, and again, I always talk about the dark ages I'm dropping. Jumping back, the dark ages of us being a Star Wars fan in the yeah. late 80s, um, we didn't have, like you said, the new stuff coming out. So you asked, like, what are you clinging to? It was even then clinging to the joy you, you felt in you know third, fourth grade for me. Right. Um, but so to get the prequels back and get our hopes up, and the, my friend Stephen couldn't use that argument anymore about, oh, you only have three movies. Yeah. Well, we're going to have six by the end of this, and our six are going to beat your 12 or whatever you have. <laughs> and then when it didn't, oh. No. Oh. But yeah, 2009 was an interesting time, too, because we had no idea Star Wars would be coming back the way it was. Right. And then Abrams relaunched Star Trek to the anger of many Star Trek fans by making it very, very Star Wars-y. And I'm curious what you think about that. And I love the first one. Me too. And I love the first one. Um, That's why I always felt I didn't have fear for Force Awakens completely. I I felt they could have messed it up. More people were looking to the prequels and this and that, but I'm not a... I'm not going to say Abrams has made a bunch of great stuff, but I think he's really good. Yeah. And so I felt that, nope, I really enjoyed every minute of, of, of the first Star Trek, the reboot. Um, beyond uh, uh, Into Darkness, I didn't. No. I didn't, but it was still enjoyable enough. It's still some form of entertainment that's passable. Yeah. Uh, but the first one was really good. It was crisp. It was clean. It was fast-paced. It was funny. It was heartfelt. It was... Uh, nostalgia, definitely, but it struck its own chord with me, and it finally brought what I didn't get from the Star Treks uh, all before, which was exciting adventure to me. Okay, so <laughs> versus like, just like, well, set your phasers on stun, everybody, and we'll contemplate what we're going to do. <laughs> it was go go go, and I guess that does speak to my brain and what yeah. I like about Star Wars. But I feel like what I fight with people about uh, 2009 Star Trek 
is I feel like it is a blatant choice to place uh, characters as more important than plot. The plot barely okay. makes any sense. Right. In, in a very Star Wars way, not not yeah. making not sense, but uh, utter convenience of, hey, if these Absolutely. people fall onto a whole planet and they fall next to the people they need to meet, that kind of stuff happens in Star Wars, too. Right. And there's a lot of that plot logic, but the whole movie was so in service of celebrating who these characters were and yeah. examining who is, what is the essence of Kirk. Right. And so you felt so invested in the character, which I think did maybe tap into some of the sort of Star Wars... Uh, uh, themes of destiny and themes of circling back on itself. Well, I'm, I'm looking for the trailers at, at, at Beyond, and I uh, this first trailer didn't work for me, as it didn't work for a lot of people. Nope. Uh, Fast and Furious in space or whatever you got, motorcycles in space. Um, but the second one where they struck the chord on, on Kirk harkening back to the first Star Trek reboot uh, of the uh, why he joined and the legacy of his father and all and answering those bigger questions that absolutely that's why I'm buying my ticket to see beyond the okay. action's going to be good Idris Elba and all those people uh, Sophie Boutella great additions love it I like I like Simon Pegg I love Carl Urban as Bones I think yeah, he was amazing. part of the reason the first one worked so well because he struck a great chord he's not just doing a Bones impersonation he's, he's bringing something new to the character by also striking the same chord so so uh, I'm excited because of that, but it is that is very Star Warsy to me. Yeah, that we haven't got. We got a lot on family stuff before and Spock's family and everything. But it, oh, this, sure. this seems a little different and bigger and epic. Yeah, and when you saw the 2009 Star Trek, were yeah. you cognizant when you walked out of the theater of like I like that more because it was more like Star Wars, or did you start to see like memes? No, it and was hear no, opinions? it was like it was that is that is that made Star Trek entertaining to me, and I yeah. don't mean that in a snarky. It wasn't entertaining before. Like I said I like four a lot. Uh, I like two. Wrath of Khan's great. Uh, I six and seven, or six and eight. Excuse me. Yep. Great movies. I, I, Star Trek six is an undiscovered country. Great. Yeah, I love it. Um, so I, when I say it wasn't entertaining, it just but that was the first, it just that felt like that's an action that was a good movie and I, I know it's every it probably went against everything Star Trek fans wanted. Yeah, well, I think that's the fascinating thing to me about it is there. I think since the early Next Generation movies, since mm. First Contact, mm. hardcore Star Trek fans, some hardcore Star Trek fans have been upset that it's getting away from thoughtful exploration of space and getting into shooting things and blowing things up. Right, and certainly. 2009 Star Trek shot things and blew things up. Right. But more than that, it invested in characters and nostalgia mm-hmm. in history. And I think that's what made it feel much more like Star Wars. I saw a great meme uh, many years ago where, where people broke down that the story beats do actually match up to A New Hope. Oh, really? Right, because we're introduced okay. to a young farm boy True. who has lost his parental figures Right. He gets drawn into a world that he thinks he probably belongs in but isn't ready for and then loses another paternal figure. Right. And then older Spock is sort of like an Obi-Wan Kenobi figure. And it, it's, it tracks down to like when things mm. explode and when these characters meet and come together. When these, like, right. It's pretty amazing. But I'm going to go on record here yeah. on Force Center. Here we go. I do not think that... I think Abrams meant to invest it with the spirit of Star Wars. Yeah. The things that spoke to him. I do not think he meant to remake A New Hope. Mm. And there, a lot of people believe, maybe there's a source for this, I don't know, that he did it as an advertisement to whoever was going to get Star Wars eventually. Look, I can make a Star Wars movie. Huh. Maybe there's a confirmation of that, and I can just be proven wrong, but in my heart, <laughs> I don't believe that. Right. I don't think 
I don't think so because at the time I don't unless there was rumblings, the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney was I don't want to say done secretly, but it was done pretty under the radar for yeah. something that big. Yeah. When it popped up, I was you know in 2012 was doing the news with the schmo, so my my pulse was plugged in every day to what the news was, and and we knew people, and I don't recall anyone saying stand by. Yeah, stand by, eye on control. I don't recall. It was like <laughs> I woke up that morning, went into my day job, and and saw tweets. What's happening? My head's dizzy. Oh my god! Star Wars, uh, Lucasfilm sold. Disney bought it. So I can't imagine that Abrams was. Uh, had any notion that they'd do this again. I think the theory goes that he was looking ahead to, well, Lucas did the prequels, mixed results, mm-hmm. financially successful, a lot of people not liking them. Right. He's kind of got this little Clone Wars theory, whatever. He's got to give it to somebody sometime. Right. And then it's going to be up for grabs. That's how, that's the uh, Abrams the, Star Wars conspiracy the, the theory. theory. But, they, they, but didn't he play coy in, in trying to, they had to convince him to do Force yeah, Awakens? Yeah, so unless and, that's just more BS. Yeah, look, I, yeah, don't believe everything you read, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But but I did walk out of the theater thinking that he had pulled that off in a great, great fashion. Yeah, I feel like the confusion is he was so interested in these iconic characters. Who yeah. are they? What do they mean? And in doing that, maybe lost the focus of everything that had been built up with all of the television shows where it's right. just about exploration. It's about what does it mean to be sentient? What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to hold on to your values while meeting other people's values and all these like big, big meaty social s- issues and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. All these big meaty Star Trek ideas are kind of like, well, we'll, we'll get to those. But first, we're just really going to get to know Kirk and Spock and even Sulu and Uhura. Uh, and that made it feel like Star Wars when it wasn't. Right. Uh, and I'm curious, and yeah, and then I into darkness. I, I think in general, I'm a very positive person. Into darkness yeah. makes me violently angry. <laughs> I can't even ignore the things I don't like to enjoy watching it. I've how, tried. How so? How so? Oh, What's the biggest problems? There's so many. Well, because uh, I, I have them too. But what, right, I, I think yours. I think I don't think it's Abrams. Abrams has come out and said right after the, either mm. before after Force Awakens. It was before because I think he was trying mm. to swage people of saying like. Yeah. I made sure that I didn't make the mistakes that I've made on other films where I wasn't entirely sure what the movie was before right. I went in. And he said, I feel bad about Star Trek Into Darkness. I mm. didn't have it fully formed in my head. What is this movie about before I shot it? Interesting. I, I think the writers ran away with that film. Mm-hmm. And I think they wanted to be smarter than the audience. Is that Orsi and Kurtzman? Yeah. Gotcha. Which in the internet age is not possible. Right. So they wanted to have their con and eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> so... I feel like a bunch of the actual plot of the movie is basically the writers trying to be smarter than the internet, mm-hmm. and in the end, it doesn't serve anyone. Right. It's just a mess. Yep. I yep. love the 2009 Star Trek because it created this new timeline that they can play in, and it created the spirit of Star Trek of, like, now everything is wide open. Right. Now we can explore the unknown. The mm. first thing we will run into is the second film of the series <laughs> in our rebooted yeah. second film. It's like, well, why? What was, yeah. the, what was the point of the reboot? If right. you just wanted to do the same thing again, but try to twist it around to outsmart people. Yeah, and yeah, the John Harrison con, con, um, <laughs> didn't, uh, I mean, that was out of the blown out of the water early on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And, that, and yeah, it did, yeah, it was so familiar, even for me as a Star Wars fan over Star Trek. Um and it got confusing, and it was like, wait, is this attached? This isn't the same con. Is this the, how does con turn into Ricardo Montalban? How you know? So then, yeah, I get the timeline, but the alternate timeline thing, um, 
it's interesting to me, but as a non-sci-fi fan, I just would rather it be the same world, I guess. It's simpler okay. for me to accept. Um, but you seem to be okay with it because it gets, opens up possibilities. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the big differences between Star Trek and Star Wars is that mm-hmm. Star Trek has always been a... It's a universe. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is a galaxy, which yeah. in itself is kind of an answer. There's always been more possibilities in Star Trek because it is about moving forward and out. And up to this point, right. Star Wars has been about circling back on itself. Yeah. which is, I think, a part of their huge challenge with the Star Wars story. The last episode we did, we talked a lot about how are mm. they going to promote Star Wars stories to people. Right. Because Star Wars has always been about generations and about the poetry that Lucas talks right. about and often gets mocked for. Yeah. Uh, so it was weird to see Star Trek do, do Star Wars and instead of expanding outward with all of these new adventures and new ideas to yeah. circle back on the same ideas. And I'm not going to lie, I... Did feel a little bit of uh, smug justification. Yeah, for sure. As a Star Wars fan, (laughs) you felt like, did you text your old friend? I didn't. I wish I still, I think I have some connection with him on Facebook still, but it's someone I haven't talked to in 15, 20 years, really. (laughs) That's pretty, that's not in the spirit of Star Wars or Star Trek. Uh, Track him down and mock him. Track him down. It was was almost Sith-like, if I would. Um, But yeah, there was some kind of like, ha, you guys finally got it. Which you guys is, finally get it. Takes a lot of hubris and smug hubris to say, because uh, I do enjoy and I respect greatly the legacy of of Star Trek and the in the uh, world building they've done yeah. so well. You know, I definitely like it. And I, I like Next Generation a lot too. I really did. Yeah, Next Generation yeah. is very very thoughtful. The characters mm-hmm. are incredibly well developed. Uh, it, it obviously ignited a huge passion for the franchise. Just I think you felt this great familiarity like you're visiting your friends every week yeah and that was a huge success to have that kind of family yeah feel that we've we haven't we're starting to maybe get that with rebels a little bit the first time star wars has ever had that yeah yeah which is interesting because you know the expansion of uh to tv first with the Clone Wars animated cartoon, the the first version, the Samurai Jack version. Um, yeah, I, I I like it. I, I like it a lot. Um, but I I really didn't take it in until it came out on DVD. I just Star Wars to me on TV is weird. Yeah. Um, and that, is that still the case? It's still the case. Dude. Yeah. Um, Clone Wars, as I've said, enjoy. I've come to enjoy Rebels. I'm intrigued by a live action show, mm-hmm. whether it be on HBO or some kind of show like that, or you know, an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. type of show. Um, I'm intrigued by it, but I, I'm oddly not overly interested in seeing Star Wars played yeah. out weekly for, for now to the end of time. That is another big difference in the DNA of Star Wars versus Star Trek that Star Wars started out as an epic thing. And Star yeah. Trek started out as small week-to-week adventures. Right. Some of them bigger, some of them smaller. So, and I think they struggled with the Star Trek movie to try to, Change it into that. Yeah. Now, wasn't that was supposed to be a relaunch of a TV series? Wasn't it? Is that uh, the, the motion story? picture? The motion picture. Yeah, there had been developing. Yeah, and then they're like, "Well, screw it. Let's take it to the movies." Because look at what that Lucas kid did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Lucas certainly had his his impact. So it struggled at times. Maybe you're right. The DNA of it, but Rathacon got it right. And, yeah. And, and four and six got it right. Um, but yeah. So still, as a Star Wars fan, I still find it odd. And I found, I think maybe going back to the early '90s, I was slightly jealous of Star Trek fans for having this thing that they could go to every week. Yeah. Um, where I didn't. I had my memories <laughs> and my VHS copies. Yeah, but in a way it does make it sort of special. Like, yeah. Because then, then Star Trek kind of became like, this is pizza. It's really good, but I can kind of have it right. week to week. 
whereas Star Wars was like this amazing steak. Yeah. Like, you know, like you have to Mashed go to a special potatoes. place very far away and get it once in a while. Yeah. Like, and now yeah. they are. They're both, they're both everywhere. They're both the everywhere. The content is everywhere. And, I, you know, we've talked about it, too. I, I worry's not the term, but it's like we'll never – I was very aware – that when Force Awakens hit the theater, and I was at that press screening where I saw it for the first time um, at 10 a.m., uh, and I say that not to brag that at the press screening, but saw it in a not with fans. There was fans there, but you know we all were overly excited. It was yeah. a great day, but I was very aware that this is the last time I was going to be seeing Star Wars like this. Yeah, where it was in a giant event, lifetime in in, in the making. Yeah, I am worried that you know. Rogue One's going to come out, and I'm going to love it. Episode eight's going to be on the way, and I'll love it. But then now I can go to Netflix and get uh, the Boba, Hutt, Boba Fett Adventures. I can watch Rebels. I can read my novels that are canon. I can read my comics that are canon. I can read this that's canon. I can play this game that's yeah. canon. And now it will be what I felt Star Trek was, yeah. where I was jealous a little bit that you had it, but you also had it. You had 50 books. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you had, had too All much. the books you could read. That's why I never got into expanding universe too much. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Oh, because you, you wanted never, it to be special. I never, yeah, I never really got into Expanding Universe. I love the Zon books. The Jedi Academy books, eh, they happened. Yeah. Um, the games I play here and there, but yeah, after a while, I was like, no, my Star Wars is up on the screen. Okay. I think that it is going to force Star Wars to take some things from Star Trek's playbook. Hmm. Uh, maybe narratively, okay. in terms of the how to tell a week-to-week story, and I think we've already seen mm-hmm. Rebels do that. Yeah. But also, I think Star Wars is going to have to expand mm. because it's not always going to be able to play the narrative, pull on our narrative right. strings. Uh, not narrative, nostalgia. Mm. It's not yeah, always right, going to be right, able right. to be nostalgic, and it's got to be, at some point, it's got to be Hey, there's going to be a new Star Wars thing with a character in a planet that you've never heard of mm-hmm. that only kind of re- resembles something you maybe know to ignite that same level of like awe. He might have a cape. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's an excellent point. You mentioned like the new Star Trek show coming out, which I believe is going to. What's the format? It's a little bit of an anthology season uh, to season. It might change. No, uh, well, it might. We don't know that. Okay. What we know for sure is that it is going to be. You know, the CBS pay service, pay yeah. service, but it's going to be something like 10 or 12 episodes telling one big story. So it's going to be kind of the Netflix gotcha. Daredevil That's House of Cards kind of structure, which is going to be brand new for Star Trek, too. I like that, too. But um, uh, yeah, I, I like that a lot there. Uh, but uh, I, I am curious. Um, what am I trying to say here? I've kind of lost my train of thought. I'm thinking all about these stories here. Uh, so what I was struggling to say there, uh, Joseph, is, is that, uh, you know, after Rogue One, Rogue One is still playing on nostalgia a little bit, whether they right. want to believe it or not. It's still playing on Remember New Hope. <laughs> uh, remember Darth Vader. This is the story right before that. So that's going to carry, even to the fans that don't know. Right. But when 8 comes out and everything that Ryan Johnson's saying, everyone people are saying about the movie, it's you've never seen Star Wars like this. Then we're into kind of uncharted waters like you said, where we're going to, you know, have a, a different kind of Star Wars that might not be tied to the things we know. And I'm curious to see when, when you say, will, will Star Wars start to adapt, adapt what Star Trek has done in this big reversal? I, I'm interested because I think, I think you can only pull on it, those strings for so long. The yeah. Han Solo one's going to. Oh, yeah. But it's risky because it's not just pulling on our nostalgia. It's going, remember Han Solo? Totally different version. <laughs> yeah, Potentially. exactly. Potentially. But I... And I, I hope this is one of the reasons that my many reasons that I came around to the prequels is it expanded the palette of Star Wars and it introduced new worlds and new looks. 
And Han Solo could certainly do that. He could certainly yeah. go to corners of the galaxy that we haven't seen and meet new aliens, yeah. new, whole new cultures. Yeah. And that could have a little bit of a Star Trek influence of that exploration mm-hmm. of the very alien. Yeah, and it's an easy, and even picking up the train of thought that I was losing there a little second, um, it's, it seems to me an easier sell to Star Trek fans that it's like, it's a new show. Who's on it? We're not, we're not sure. Oh, it doesn't matter. We're excited. Yeah. Well, right, because... New captain, new this, new that, we're fine. That's what Star Trek is since 87, when Next Generation proved that it could be done, that the same ideas could be carried through with totally different people, and And I think we're getting to that trust level with Star Wars. I think so, but it's like, if you were to say, right now, we're getting a a 10-part Netflix series, uh, the adventures of, uh, you know, Jimbo Rax, the unknown bounty hunter from some planet we've never heard of. Yeah. Would I be excited that it's Star Wars? Yeah. And am I going to watch it? Yes. But in my head, I'm thinking, well, I hope a Skywalker shows up somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We do seem to have a real push-pull. We're like, no, we want Rogue One to be different. Yay, Darth Vader's there! <laughs> yeah. And I'm totally, that's totally where I'm at. Of like, I'm so stoked he's there. Yeah, which is, again, I think a lot of what Force Awakens had to do and did do well. New people, new worlds, new characters. They look different than you've seen before, even. But don't worry, you're still going to get your X-Wings, and they're yep. still going to destroy a big round thing. <laughs> That's the bottom line, is Star Wars must always destroy a big round thing. <laughs> Definitely. And sometimes, in the case of Borg, Star Trek destroys a big square thing. <laughs> a big cube thing. The essential and true difference between Star Wars and Star Trek, I think. Do you have any other uh, uh, thoughts on the schism, and or what brings them together? What brings them together is it is something that we each, whether you're Trek or... Trekkie, Trekker, a Wars, or a Warrior, whatever you want to call yourself. A Warsy. A Warsy. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is, again, from the same muscle. It is from the same point. And just because you were maybe a little bit better at trigonometry and chemistry in high school and causes you to like the adventures of Picard and his crew and Kirk and his crew uh, over those laser sword swinging guys with ships <laughs> that make sounds in space, we're all in the same space here. And uh, we all should just get... Uh, get over any differences. The world is tough. Let's not let our fandoms be tougher. And let's all get along and enjoy both. I think that's exactly correct. They both advocate hope. Hope. Hope that hope. these properties will go on forever. They are here. <laughs> Give us plenty to podcast about forever. Uh, so do you want to take some audience questions? I'd love to. Excellent. We got some good ones. Uh, this is from Sam DeMahan. <laughs> Sam DeMan. I got surprised by that. Sam DeMan, at your fave friendo. Damn, that's a good handle. Hey, friendo. Uh, And Sam DeMan, our favorite friendo, says, How do you guys think Luke became a Jedi Knight during 5 and 6? Was Yoda pissed at him when Luke came back? I don't know know exactly how to interpret this so we can break it down. I don't know if Sam is asking that Yoda was pissed that Luke went and got himself all trained up before he came back to Dagobah in Return of the Jedi, or if Yoda was just... Well, you see, yeah, he says, well, Yoda pissed at him when Luke came back. So I'm going to interpret it that way. Okay. So how do you think the Luke becoming a Jedi process worked? I am very intrigued between five and six. I think there's a story to tell maybe in book form. Okay. Um, because it's a shorter time frame, right? It's right. a year. Yeah. I think we've been grown up to learn and believe. Um, so they had to... Uh, to me, the focus is always on Han. Right. So first, Luke has to physically recover. 
Uh, and then he gets his arm, and there's all that kind of stuff. So it seemed to me he was left a little on his own, and that's where the intrigue is for me. Yeah. I see his, I don't think he went back to Dagobah until we see it in Jedi. No. Um, clearly says, I got a promise to keep to an old friend. But in that year, what are you doing? And you're learning to build your own lightsaber. Yep. Did you have a pamphlet somewhere? I think he had a holocron <laughs> or info in, in Obi-Wan's hut. I don't know if that has been, I mean, that was the... well. And that's excellent, because we now know through the Marvel comic series, the Star Wars mainline, he picks up this journal, the journals of uh, Ben Kenobi, and that's where we're having some of the flashback issues on Tatooine, and where we could derive and get a a Kenobi in the desert story, Mm -hmm. whether we get on the big screen or not. So I think Luke, I think it's established now in my mind that Luke has his own textbooks, holocrones, and, and, and... and, and ways to teach himself. And I think there was some hubris in him tearing, tearing off to go to Cloud City. Oh, yes. So maybe that carried over. I, I certainly believe he was humbled by losing an arm and the reveal of his father, and he didn't understand. And I think there was some shock to that system. So maybe it's a petulant boy going out for revenge and vengeance, and then he's got to rescue his best friend and do it with his team, and it becomes a focus on that. So I don't think he learned too much on his own other than the basics. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I think he was a self-named Jedi at the beginning of Jedi. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he decides to call himself a Jedi Knight, I think it is most... I think he knows he still needs the the, uh, graduation cap from Yoda, (laughs) and I think he just knows that it's a weaker self to Jabba. Like, I'm Luke Skywalker. Kind of Padawan guy, Jedi if you remember that train, <laughs> Jedi to be. Yeah, right. I'm going to put he, on a black tunic and call myself what I am. Yeah, I think he's basically taking night classes. Kind of, yeah. uh, he's studying from home. Uh, I yeah. think that Yoda gave him Yoda and Obi Wan gave him everything he needed. Wasn't being a good listener. Clearly has massive raw power, and I think after he gets humbled uh, on Bespin, mm-hmm. I think he is like, oh, all that stuff about calm. Yeah. Meditate. Listen. Oh, look how incredibly powerful I am when I do it the way I was effing told to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, that to me has always been what I, my headcanon about how yeah. he got so much more powerful at the top of Jedi. Yeah. Absolutely. And oh. also maybe just a little bit of like seeing his dad, like, you can do that? Yeah. Oh, wow. I bet I can do, do that. I can do, I got those skills. <laughs> I got those skills. Uh, so do you think, the second part of the question, do you think Yoda was bummed uh, that Luke had missed out on training? I think it gets into gets into free will versus destiny. Yeah. Like we had that great discussion with John Roca about earlier. Um, it gets into, you know, whether you, you believe certain things about God or, or whatnot. Um, I think Yoda knew that was going to happen. I think he understood it had to happen. Yeah. So I don't see him... We don't see Luke land and walk into the hut. Hey, I'm home. Yeah. And in that moment, I don't think Yoda would have held it over his head. I think he believed it was part of what had to happen. Yeah. I also think that for Yoda, he thought when Luke left Dagobah, that's it. Same thing that happened to Anakin. He gave in to his mm-hmm. putting friends above everything else, and he's going to be willing to kill anyone in his path to save his friends, and he's he's gone. Yeah. He's gone down the dark side, too. So I think that... Yoda has to be happy from the get-go of, like, he went through this horrible trial, and he's still good, and he's still coming back and completing his promise, and he has humility. So Mm -hmm. I think Yoda has to be kind of stoked of, like, he didn't fall. And yeah, he didn't fall, and he. I'm going to give him the final piece of information because I know I'm going. I always wonder too. Yoda was um, obviously older and, and naturally 
was probably going to go at some point. But I've always wondered, is there a little bit of a life force? It left Padme. Was there yeah. a little bit of life force that left Yoda when Luke ran off? Oh, you know? wow. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. I've never thought of that. That it was, uh, there is another, but. Uh, uh, but I'm too old uh, for this. <laughs> and a little bit of, little bit of that, you yeah. know, 800, 900 <laughs> years old. You reach, your life force might leave you too. <laughs> it happens. Uh, cool. Well, that's a great question. Thanks, Sam DeMann. Uh, our next question is from Mark Noop or Canoop. Uh, I apologize that I don't know what to do with your K, Mark. Uh, but the Twitter handle is at M-I-K underscore 88. And Mark asks, now that Star Trek has a gay character, do you think we'll soon see one in a Star Wars movie? Then he puts in parentheses, Poe, all caps, three exclamation points. So it's recently been revealed that uh, Sulu, Sulu in the Calvin timeline is going to be mm-hmm. gay, mm-hmm. which is uh, I think is, is great. There's mm-hmm. been some controversy between uh, George Takei and the mm-hmm. team on the movie. George Takei feels that a new character should have been introduced instead of layering this over. Mm-hmm. An existing character, the people who created it, were like, "Well, no, we it's our different timeline, and things are different, and we feel like it's absolutely appropriate that one of these characters that we've known for a long time should be gay." Mm-hmm. Which, so, whole that's a side. I was fascinated by that story. Yeah, I was fascinated by because because Takei saying three times he told them not to directly to to the actor, then to Simon Pegg, and then to the director. So don't yeah. do this. And they basically said, "Thank you, thanks for your input," and and that's really all they should say. Yeah, uh, it was interesting. But yeah, so the question of. Your move, Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. I still... It's a weird thing to put money down on a bet. I still don't think it's going to be Poe. You don't think it's going I to be Poe? I don't think it is going to be Poe. Um, unless they do a drastic change. Hey, they, the character is supposed to die, so you can keep him alive, and they can right. change that. It's definitely possible. I I would think they've had discussions on it. Oh, I think so. Absolutely think so. I think, I think you'll get it, uh, if not eight... Standalone, uh, maybe nine. I, I think you'll get it. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing it in the books. Um, and it's handled very appropriately and as it should be. It's yeah. just part of who they are. Um, but will it be front and center? I don't know. Again, we've talked about this. I don't know if it will be front and center. And I think Poe is still too front and center. Unfortunately. Yeah. I said it was an unfortunate. Yeah. I think it's possible. I don't think they're going to do the Poe Finn romance. Right. I think because I think that is. I definitely don't think that. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that, uh, having no judgment on it, but just guessing what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to do that. Mm -hmm. I think they could make Poe gay in just a a quick drive by. Like they're doing with Sulu. Just like, as it should be, not like big reveal, a scene devoted in the movie where Poe comes out and says, hey guys, I need it. No, just pass it by. Poe's flirting with someone in a bar. Right. It's an alien dude. We're right. a, a basic human dude. Which <laughs> has always been the weird thing that you could accept, uh, uh, you know, that uh, twi- Twi'leks are sexy. Yeah. And that knot's not weird at all to you. <laughs> yeah, Jabba's really, really turned on by Leia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not weird at all. Not weird at all. Yeah, I think I think we'll care. Again, Poe, I mean, and Oscar Isaac has a, seems to have a lot of input into his character. Yeah. So if it's something that he wants to do. Um, he, he changed yeah. the origin of the character or had input into it being from Yavin because it was close to his Guatemalan roots. I, I could see him saying, guys, do this. Yeah. Yeah. Or I can see them introducing a, a new character. A new character. And that's yeah, a, yeah. just a part of their character, which, you know, was part of that whole Star Trek debate of whether it should be a yeah. part of. But po, everybody in The Force Awakens, there's still a mystery. We don't know. So True. It, do, yeah, yeah. it doesn't feel to me like layering something new onto an old character. Right. But along those lines, I think if Ray is not Luke's daughter, mm-hmm. I could see them also just leaving Luke totally open to anybody's interpretation and never mentioning his 
any oh, okay. sort of sexuality yeah. uh, preferences other than sometimes I kiss my sister. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a long, long time, time ago. Long time ago, and that changed me. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could see that too. I'm out of sexuality entirely, says Luke Skywalker. Yeah, so that could be totally open given Mark Hamill's. But I do think that in 8 or 9, we will see a gay character. Yeah. I I think there has just been too much of a a progressive push from the new team, which I think uh, personally is is great. Uh, Our final question is from someone who sends us lots of great questions. A great fan of Force Center, Tristan Shields, at Grand Moff Shields. Mm -hmm. He said, I asked this for Episode 7. What is the worst thing Episode 8 can do? Great question to end our episode about Star Wars and Star Trek and, and hope. And how did we how did we answer seven? We probably answered that with as long as they don't blow up a big circular space station. I yeah, I think, I think you're right. As long as they don't do the Death Star again, uh, Ooh, I think uh, who would do that? I think my answer was I will be happy as long as Harrison Ford doesn't turn to the camera and say you're stupid, <laughs> which he didn't do. Um, I would, for me, uh, the thing I, I need least out of eight is quick answers. Right. Oh, that's a great answer. Yeah. Uh, and I thought of that quickly. Um, <laughs> I don't need quick answers. I'm fine coming out of eight, not knowing who's, who Ray's parents are. Yeah. Um, I'm fine. Um, not fully understanding who the Knights of Ren are. Yeah. So I believe we'll probably see them soon. Um, and I don't want Kylo. I want at the end of this movie, Ky- I'm really on the train of... Kylo's still learning. Okay. So I don't necessarily need to know that who Snoke is. I don't need all these answers. I have the patience to wait, and I love as it unfolds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So movie opens. Here's your lightsaber, Luke. Thanks, kid. You're my daughter. <laughs> don't want that. Yeah, you're out. Yeah. Okay. So you don't want quick and easy answers. You don't I want don't. To, to follow the dark side of I don't exposition. need that kind of fan service, and I don't think they will. But, yeah, I don't. I don't think, think so either. Uh, I think in incorrect balance in the poetry of Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would be thrilled with episode eight if it had the rhythms that matched Empire and Attack of the Clones so that it felt like the second chapter, the darker chapter, the mm-hmm. part where things are going bad for our heroes. I would be very happy to be have our heroes kind of on the losing side because that's just good story structure mm-hmm. in a trilogy mm-hmm. um but i think it would be really really bad for the franchise if there were too many beats that were easily you could easily mm-hmm. point at it and say that's an empire beat yeah i think it was totally understandable and in fact the right choice for force awakens but i think it would possibly do real damage to the franchise if it's mm-hmm. too close to empire so that's my answer is i think the okay. worst thing that could happen is it could be have too many beat for beat notes yeah from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if at any point they say, let's let's go visit Lando. Yeah. In the cloths. Yeah. I think somebody should lose a hand because there that wasn't be a okay. prominent yeah. enough limb loss. Yes. That's Just true. the Rathdars. That's true. In Force Awakens. And that was about it. So those are great questions. Thank you guys for sending in your questions. Uh, we send out tweets asking for questions, but at any time you want, you can send a tweet to us at Force Center Pod, hashtag it Force Center if you'd like the group to tackle it. You can hashtag it Spotlight Star Wars if you'd like Ken to tackle it on his own solo show, or you can t- hashtag it both if you want us to answer it twice, because <laughs> we're more than happy to do that. Uh, so any any other final thoughts, Ken? Do you want to no, plug man. yourself? Uh, I'll plug myself. 
phrasing. Um, <laughs> hey, you can follow me at Ken Napsack across all social media platforms and follow us at Force Center Pod. And don't forget our Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we tape these shows in bulk, so we do a finish the fan fiction, and then we uh, name a winner to the contest we have on the Facebook fa- page, and that comes a little late later. That's just what our recording schedule is, but uh, go to the Facebook page, like it, and join the conversation on there as well. Joseph? Yeah, you guys can find me on the social media as at Joseph Scrimshaw. That's pretty much everything. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, everything. Google Donk, whatever hasn't been invented yet. My user handle will be at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website. Remember websites? Remember when people used to use websites instead of going on social media or YouTube? Remember those, those quaint little things? Mine is just covered in little pictures of doilies, but it's still there. It's quaint. A nice little antique. It's josephscrimshaw.com. It has all the info you would ever want about me and more. Uh, I have one, too, just to hold the name. (laughs) There's stuff on there, but it just exists to be. (laughs) So that is Force Center for now. We'll be back again. And don't forget to listen to the other shows on this fine feed. Spotlight, Star Wars, Databank, Brawl, Jedi Beat, and much more to come. We are in a great time to be a Star Wars fan or a Star Trek fan. We're very thankful that you're along for the adventure, and we'll see you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.